2: Sweet Jethro Pugh The Super Bowl has come down to one play Fourth down Aikman drops back to pass Irvin heads for the goal line That's you, Bobby Oh, okay
0: Troy's under pressure He fires into the end zone and hits Michael Irvin for a touchdown. Dang.
2: Uh, hold on a minute. Uh pass interference. Cowboys retain possession.
1: And they run out the clock.
2: Uh turns out they were ahead all along.
1: The Cowboys win the Super Bowl. The, the Cowboys, Cowboys win, win the Super Bowl. Bowl. The, the Cowboys win, win the
0: Super Bowl. Only thing else I got
2: to say is, how about
0: them cowboys? Yeah! How about them cowboys? Indeed.
1: Okay, it's the reasons for optimism episode. It's the silver linings playbook of the 2021 season, if you will. we have been a little negative over the past couple weeks, so it's time to get positive here on the About Them Cowboys podcast as we look back on some great things that happened in 2021 and maybe give you some reasons. Be happy about the Cowboys going forward. I'm live here at the Super Bowl Radio Row. It's happening. If we get any great Cowboys sightings, we'll let you know. And I'm welcomed by three of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We got Saad Youssef off stars duty tonight, back on Cowboys duty for once. Father John Mashota, your Cowboys beat writer. And of course, from Sports and Such and the Ben Skin Show, your host, Kevin KT Turner. KT, I know you like to be positive. This one should be fun.
3: Yeah, no. Let's let's have a little fun. We spent a lot of time airing our grievances. It felt like we did more than one Festivus episode, just the way that the uh, season ended there. Um, so we'll get into that in a second. But first, while we have Father John on the beat here, uh, not, a little bit of a shocker. I mean, the Vegas money would have been that one of Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore was gone. Pretty much, if you did those bets at the first of any month during the season. Um, maybe in the first half of the season, Kellen Moore would have been the one you'd have been betting your money on. But uh, it looks like Kellen is going to be staying as well after being the runner-up uh, for the Miami Dolphins job. Um, at this point, you can't be surprised that Kellen didn't get the job. But uh, looking at the coaching staff outside of the new wide receiver coach, what are your thoughts on everything, John? Nobody
2: is more surprised than Tony Romo. I mean, you just can't. Tony, <laughs> Tony predicts everything. <laughs> If you watch any of their games this year, I felt like he was Kellen's agent. So he has to be just yeah. stunned right now. So uh, that that's one takeaway. No, uh, the, my biggest thing is I didn't think that Kellen Moore, I thought it was unlikely he'd get a head coaching job. Now, I also, just being fully transparent and honest with you, I like to point out when uh, I'm wrong on things, I thought for sure Dan Quinn was getting the Denver job. And if he didn't, I thought they – it would be because there was a better candidate than Nathaniel Hackett. I'm just, I mean, um, for anybody that wants to criticize Eric Biennemi and say, oh, it's because of Patrick Mahomes or, oh, it's because of Andy Reid or you want to criticize uh, Byron Leftwich and say, oh, it's because of Tom Brady, it's, you know, Bruce Arians, whatever. You don't want to give him the credit. That's fine. Nathaniel Hackett. Like, is this because you already got a deal that Aaron's coming with him? Or is this Nathaniel Hackett with Drew Locke? So anyway, um, that the, the Dan Quinn not getting a job was the surprise. Kellen Moore, uh, not so much. I actually was kind of surprised that he was a finalist for the job. I just didn't think that off of the way this season went, with all the talent that they had on offense, that was like no secret. Everyone knew all the talent the Cowboys had on offense. And for them not to get better and actually – get worse as the season went on, I, I thought it was going to probably be pretty tough for him uh, to, to get a head job anyway. But yeah, I, I thought they would get at least one of those guys back, but to have them both back, that's obviously a good thing for continuity.
4: Oh, no, I, I think once you, once you look at the way that, you know, now we have the benefit of uh, hindsight being 2020 and you look at the way that those openings kind of filled out from Chicago to new Orleans. I mean, the two defensive guys that got a job, were Dennis Allen and Lovey Smith, and both were in the organization already. Um, everybody else was a young, uh, was was a young offensive mind that, or, or relatively young, or you know, in the case of Doug Peterson, not so much. But you know, I, I think those are the those are the guys that uh, that got that. Matt Eberflus as well. So Matt Eberflus and uh, and then uh, Lovey Smith and Dennis Allen, and and those two latter ones were uh, already in the organization. I think. Once Kellen stock tanked, as you mentioned, KT, after the first few months of the season, I, I don't know. Like Dan Quinn looked like it would be I, I agree. I think Denver looked like a likely landing spot, but once that was out, I don't think I don't think there was a whole ton of options for Dan Quinn um, from where he was gonna where he was gonna go. I think it was I thought it was gonna be Denver or Chicago or nothing.
2: Well, not to, Chicago made a lot of sense if they obviously went defense with Eberflus. Them going with Quinn, that would have been wouldn't have been anything different there. I could see them going that way. The Giants one made some sense just because that's where he's from. I'm sure he was really eager to get that job, and obviously the Giants are were in a dumpster fire situation. And notice I say were because they look real good right now. Like Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. Like that's they got yeah. a strong coaching staff right now. I don't think you could say that before this. So. Um, but I thought he could be in consideration for that job as well. Um, but I don't think he was very interested in a lot of the other ones. I think it was after those were kind of filled early on in the process, it was like, you know, I got a pretty good thing here. I can run it back with these interviews next year at this time. There will be head coaching jobs available.
3: Absolutely. Um, and there, there always are, you know, generally about seven or eight openings per year, pretty much. So, you know, it's, a, it's one of those things. That one thing I, I like to keep in mind, and uh, you can call me a Kellen homer. Let me just be clear. Kellen's part of the reason the offense failed. Let me get, get that out of there. I do think it's important to realize how close you know, Kellen is to where his career ended. He's still a developing coach. And you get a little bit of, of time. Now, you don't always climb the totem pole as fast as he you get, in, get an OC job in your second or third year as a coach. You know a lot of guys are in the league for 10, 15 years. I mean, Mike McCarthy's a perfect example of a guy who grinded for 10 years and then all of a sudden he gets a chance to be an offensive coordinator and then he gets a chance to be a head coach and things like that. But I do think it's it's important to remember like Kellen has less than 5 years of coaching experience. That's an important thing to remember. Doesn't make anything, you know, be doesn't make everything okay with how the season went, but I still would put my money on the best things from Kellen are yet to come. Now, let's be honest, the Cowboys did that same thing with Jason Garrett for 10-plus years uh, when he turned down the Ravens job and things like that was seen as a hot commodity in the league. But I'm still in the boat of, you know, I still think Kellen will get better. I I, I, I truly believe that. And him just leaving, it wouldn't have been a thing where I'm like – I guess what I'm saying is the Cowboys are not a, uh, a better team if Kellen's gone. Would you agree with me on no, that? No, I – Yeah, I
4: agree with that, and I also agree with your point about the trajectory. And I don't think a lot of people. I don't think that's talked about enough. Um, When you look at some of the other places around the league, other coaches look at Josh McDaniels, for example. Um, When you look at the way he came up, a defensive assistant. He was like a, I think he was like a like a general assistant first. Then it was a defensive assistant. Then he was a quarterbacks coach when Bill O'Brien was still there and Charlie Weiss, And then he went uh, and became an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. And all these things, there's a trajectory. And I don't I don't think, I think that it's not Kellen's doing that he got to skip a bunch of steps. It just so happens that his rapport with Dak Prescott was what it was. And when you have that guy elevating out of nowhere to become your franchise quarterback, you're going to do what it takes to appease him. And so I think that trajectory had a lot to do with it. But I agree that there is some patience that's warranted to come with, uh, with just what Kellen Moore in general is.
2: Yeah, and, and, and I think a good example of this, too, is you look at that 2013 Washington coaching staff, and that team went 3-13 and that year, and it had Sean McVay as the tight ends coach. It had Matt LaFleur as the quarterback's coach. It had Kyle Shannon as the OC. It had Mike McDaniel as the wide receiver coach. They won three games, and that's going to be one of the best offensive staffs. I mean, all four of those guys are head coaches now in the NFL. So just because, you know, Kellen Moore might not have done the job that everybody was expecting during the back half of the season doesn't mean he's still not going to be a, a a bright offensive mind that can not only want to adjust, but still end up becoming like a really good head coach in this league. Maybe one year down the line, he's the Cowboys head coach. So uh it also helps him that that's just the direction this league's going. You know, if you're a brilliant young offensive mind, that's what these teams are looking for. And nothing about this hiring cycle makes me think different and nothing about the way it's going forward makes me think any different. So, um, And and, and even going back to the Romo point, like, I think a lot of it, too, it's not just because, yeah, Kellen Moore, he won over 50 games at Boise State. and Everybody knows who he is. They did a lot with with they hung in and beat a lot of Goliaths with not a lot of rosters that should have competed when they were at Boise State. And but I think it's also Tony says that because he was around him and he knows what kind of a brilliant offensive mind that that Kellen Moore is. Um, I guess the best way to sum it up is if the Cowboys were like, no, we're all good, Kellen. Mike's going to call plays. We're moving on. He would be picked up in a second by another team.
3: And and by the way, like whatever problems that happened on offense, it's it's just going to sound like I'm taking up for Kellen. But whatever problems happened on offense, it was a lot of it was his job to find out how we're going to attack these zone defenses, and then when these teams are dropping guys back. But the offensive line, I don't think you can just go, "Hey, well, that's on Kellen." The decision to play Zeke way more than Tony Pollard. I don't, I'm not sure how much Kellen has has any say in that. Like, I don't know what the – to me, it makes me wonder if there was some type of cram down. Like, you know, this is how it's going to be. But I don't know. Maybe that should go over to McCarthy's ledger and things like that. Penalties? that it. A lot of that's not on Kellen. Maybe wide receiver's getting lined up correctly, and maybe some of that is. So there's a lot of things there that get thrown on Kellen just because his title's offensive coordinator, and that's part of the job. But like, I just I I don't clearly just immediately go. Kellen's one of the problems. Get him out of here. And I you see that. But you know fans are emotional, especially when you fail to hit your expectations. Now one thing I want to I want to go to now. Nothing concrete. Just whispers, rumor mill type stuff about potentially uh, cutting bait with Amari Cooper. Potentially doing something with Demarcus Lawrence. I don't think we'll hear anything this week. Quite frankly, there's not a lot of player movement on Super Bowl week. Um, but uh, where do you stand on that, John? Have you heard anything? Do you, you think that's something that they are looking at with uh, with a salary cap situation where they are over the cap a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard both sides of it. I mean, I don't think they're the, yeah. the decision's made like now. You know, I don't sure. think that they're – yeah, we've already decided. We're moving on from Amari Cooper. We're moving on from DeMarcus Lawrence it wouldn't surprise me either way. Um, I'd say out of, if you're including both those players, I think as we sit here right now, I think the most surprising scenario would be that both are back. I think it's very similar to the offensive defensive coordinator situation where I'll be surprised if both are back. Um, I think that one will be back. Um, but I still think it's more likely that one, one's gone and one, one comes back. Um, And I would be surprised if they're both gone. I just, I don't know how you're a better team with losing both those guys. I can understand, you know, saving some salary cap space and you want to move on from one of those guys um, and you want to get younger. I completely understand that. But to get rid of both of them, man, that roster looks pretty thin. I mean, you're asking a lot of Micah Parsons in year two and Trayvon Diggs in year two and, uh, you know, whoever you draft on that side of the ball, if you don't have Demarcus Lawrence. I mean... Uh, The defense is just better with DeMarcus Lawrence. I know he doesn't put up the big sack numbers that you'd want out of a guy making his salary, but I don't know how you are a better defense without DeMarcus Lawrence. And that I, I just, I understand that Dan Quinn did a great job and he fit a lot of pieces in together and things like that. And I think he can do that again. And I do think that they'll add a young edge rusher at some point, but I don't know, man losing DeMarcus Lawrence. That just, that, that, that to me just, Makes your defense kind of go back to where I wouldn't be surprised if they're middle of, middle of the pack at best. I mean, you're not going to be a top ten defense without Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah,
4: yeah, and I think when you look at when you look at which of those two, I mean, you gotta. I, I would think that it's way more likely that Lawrence comes back just from a well, forget the talent. Just when you look at where the money is being allocated, and when you look at the fact that you. Cedric, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons both one and two years into their contracts. So you still have a good chunk of both of them on rookie deals for the next couple of years. Whereas right now, when you look at the offense, you have Tony Pollard, Zeke, um Cedric Wilson you can bring back and you have CD Lamb and then I think Gallup's tag just got a lot cheaper because of the injury and so if you decide to cut bake with Amari and if you can have the patience I don't know what you do with Dalton Schultz whether you tag him sign him to a deal or bring him back at all if not you still have Jarwin there so if you enter the season with CD Lamb Cedric Wilson Tony Pollard Zeke and Blake Jarwin forget Dalton Schultz at all and then you're planning to get Gallup back midway through the season, like that's not a bad offense that you're looking at right there without Amari Cooper.
2: Right. And if you lose Lawrence though, and let's say in this in this situation right. or in this scenario, then you're bringing back Randy Gregory. Okay, cool. So then it's Randy Gregory and Terrell Basham. Well, yeah, those offensive coordinators must be really nervous right now. Because there's only because here's the thing I know everybody's like, oh, move Mike at uh edge, move Mike to edge. Dan Quinn is not moving Mike to the edge. Dan Quinn wants him out there as many plays as possible. If he's a straight edge rusher, He's not going to be out there. He's going to knock twenty plays off of him every game, and Dan Quinn doesn't want to do that. So the only way I believe that he would be moving full time to edge rusher is if there was a different defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn's not going to do that. I'm telling you right now.
3: Yeah, I mean it's important too for Micah Parsons' effectiveness. If they, every time a quarterback goes to the line of scrimmage, there's a question mark over you know Micah Parsons' helmet. You know if you're watching it on a video game or on film, like I don't know what he's going to do on this play. Where's he lining up on this play? And I think the other big difference is, well, first of all. There are relationships with agents and things like that that will come into play with the Gallup, the Cedric Wilson and the Randy Gregory discussions. but the dead money number I think will come into play as well. I mean if you got rid of Amari Cooper, you're talking about six million, I think it's six million in dead money. you get rid of you know DeMarcus Lawrence, you're looking at 19 million dollars in dead money and I just don't see this team where they're at on the cap wanting to do that. So I think Cooper would be more likely to go that would not guarantee that you do anything with Wilson and Gallup, but who's to say you can't draft wide receiver as well. I mean, if and you are expecting CD lamb to take a big step forward next year, even after he had a very productive year, by the way, his drops are talked about the lack of the offensive production late in the year is talked about, but CD lamb, his ceiling is still there. It does, that doesn't change based on what what's happened this year. His numbers were already a little bit better than Amari Cooper's in some regards. So you know, there, there's some things there that make it a little easier to me to go ahead. I can keep Demarcus Lawrence, um, and and maybe say goodbye to Amari Cooper. Doesn't make your team better at all. <laughs> Doesn't make your quarterback better at all. And those are the things that make it hard to get rid of both of them. But I'm with you. I, it's it's hard to see both of them being back. I agree with you on that one, John.
2: Yeah, and, and and the thing with Micah, going back to him on the edge, okay, so maybe, and there's a scenario where maybe for the third consecutive year, the Cowboys get super lucky in the first round and a great player falls them. Let's say in this hypothetical scenario, it's that linebacker from Georgia, N'Kobe Dean. So all of a sudden, you got these two stud linebackers, and we all know that the way the NFL is going, you're playing less and less linebackers. So maybe in that scenario, Dan Quinn finds a way to where Micah rushes more, I still don't love the idea of your next best edge rusher being Terrell Basham. I just you just have to be better at that position. I'm sorry. Like, and I don't know. That's the thing about edge rusher. Like, you don't to get a really good one that can make an impact right away. You're probably gonna have a top, have to have a top 15 pick, or you're gonna have to get a guy in free agency. Like with a wide receiver, you could tell me that the Cowboys find a wide receiver in the second round that next year he's their number two receiver next sure. to CeeDee Lamb. And I'd be like, okay. Yep. I mean, it, yep. that just the way that the game is played nowadays. I just feel like that's more realistic uh, of an option. And it might not even be a wide receiver. It might be a pass-catching tight end. Uh, it might be uh, that they use Tony Pollard and, and, and more like everybody's wanting or something like that. There's a variety of ways on offense that you can kind of do it. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I I'm very on board with the idea of, what the Rams did to go get Von Miller to go along with Aaron Donald uh, to go along with Floyd because of the fact of how important it is to have pressure like that. And I just don't see a scenario with the way the cowboys do business that they're going to let go of demarcus lawrence and we're going to look at the roster next year and go oh yeah they got rid of lawrence but they added this guy so now they're good like they're not going to go make a significant investment in another edge rusher they're going to go and draft somebody in like the second round late first something like that how they got lawrence and yeah you'll see you'll see some decent plays but you're not going to see the fruits of the labor for another like 3 4 years until he, he reaches the player that you want him to be i mean if you're really all about winning now and you really do think that you have that team which you should, with Dak Prescott as your quarterback, with this coaching staff, with the way this team's built, getting rid of Lawrence makes no sense.
3: I
4: also think Malik- exactly you go you get you get rid of Lawrence to find the next Lawrence, and that that just doesn't make sense. And I
3: think Malik Turner could be the next Cedric Wilson, and Cedric Wilson may not have the upside of Michael Gallup, but could be a quasi next Michael Gallup if he were to stay. Um, and then you know, Ceedee Lamb could be the next Amari Cooper. You know, and then we're talking about different skill sets in some of these situations, but the roles are there and it's way more clear of a, of a road for success with those guys. But that being said, they ought to think about it. it's funny how we can go from a, a clear need that the day you lose a playoff game and the week after. Oh, I've got our clear needs. And then you end up going, oh, man, there's like four or five things we need here.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
3: Hey, we, on this episode, wanted to test positive for being positive. So uh, it, go ahead and just hashtag test positive. Um, no, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a terrible thing to do. Don't do that. Um, we're, we've we've got our uh, list of positive things. Reasons to be optimistic about the 2022 Dallas Cowboys as we stand here today recording this on Tuesday, February 8th. So granted, the draft and free agency hasn't happened. Reasons to be positive and optimistic about the next year's Cowboys. John, we'll let you go first. What do you got for us?
2: Uh None. So you can go to Sod now. No, uh, I No, 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 no. Uh, the So I wrote down. I, I wrote down five things, and and no matter how you put it, number one, I feel like should be number one for all of us, and it's Micah Parsons. That uh, I don't think that he was a finished product last year by any means. I think I think he's just scratching the surface. So the fact that you have Micah Parsons going forward. Uh, that you're going to have him on a rookie contract for at least another couple of years, that is your number one reason to be excited about the future of the Dallas Cowboys.
3: Couldn't agree more. I don't even think we need to elaborate on that one much. I mean, I, I think it goes without saying at this point for what he is. So, yeah, I yeah.
2: feel like it's... Uh, I heard I heard Rick Gosselin on the radio because he was talking about right now is that time of year where you, you know, everyone, all the Hall of Fame voters get together. And, you know, there's certain guys like a Peyton Manning... You present that player, you can just stand up, and be like Peyton Manning, and then sit back down because <laughs> everyone knows his first ballot. And he was talking about like how he had to present Demarcus Ware for this class, and it's just like out of this class, Demarcus Ware is like how much do you really need to explain? Like Demarcus Ware for is a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know. So uh, I feel the same way about this whole Micah Parsons in terms of what to be positive about. Like it's it, it's the it's the most obvious thing.
1: I wonder what the odds were on a, an All Pro selection for him. Yeah, you know, his rookie year. What you would have would have made on that? That that's an unbelievable thing that he was a first team yeah. All Pro uh, as a rookie. That's, that's a great, well, yeah, that's especially Kent. Great because accomplishment.
2: Going back to when you know you and I first started covering the team, you know we're used to not a lot of Swiss Army knives on defense. It's a lot of this is how we do it. We're going to plug these guys into our defensive system, and this is how we're going to use them. But Dan Quinn wasn't like that at all, and moved Micah everywhere, and you know we didn't know from week to week where he was going to get the bulk of his snaps, and I think that obviously helped the situation. And then you know he's obviously a freak show, so that that then takes it to the <laughs> total next level.
3: total freak show. That helps, yeah. Uh, let's go to Saad. What's number one on your list?
4: Well, yeah, obviously Micah Parsons was number one, but I think if I'm just going to go to the other side of the offense or other side of the ball. Um, I think, and the 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 caveat here is if the coaching staff is actually going to be real and actually going to um take lessons from this season. I think the way Tony Pollard ran the ball um is a huge plus, and I think if you're if you're if you're an evaluator on the team that's looking at it objectively, you have something really good on your hands here in Tony Pollard, and especially when you look around the league the kind of running backs that are that are just kind of you know rising to the top on their rosters tony pollard is that kind of guy and i think zeke is a big reason why as well because you can't you have a guy already who is one of the best bang backs in the nfl if you need to you know get that short yardage run up run between the uh, guards and stuff like that You don't. You have the luxury of not asking Tony to even do those things. So I think Tony Pollard, as long as the coaching staff is being real with themselves and actually look at what, um, look at look at what this was. I actually just saw, um, as we were getting on, I saw this stat from uh from our friend Bobby Belt that I'm gonna share here. When Tony Pollard's carries and targets combined for ten or more, Cowboys were nine and one last season and when that number was in the single digits they were 1 and 5 so 10 or more touches for pollard you're 9 and 1 if you're if if it's single digits 1 and 5 tony pollard was a big plus for this offense
2: yeah it would be interesting to see how those break down per game because i tend to think that they were using him and and they were willing to do more on offense in games when we let's be honest we knew they'd win the nfc east games things like that I wonder how much his usage went down when they started playing some of the good teams during the back half of the season that, and they were nervous about opening up the playbook in games like against Arizona, against San Francisco, games where he wasn't used a lot. Now, maybe that also speaks to maybe they needed to use him more. Um, but that just right. I feel like that's always been the thing with Tony Pollard. All of his big games, they come in games where it was like, kind of like blowouts, you know? Like, oh, okay, well, we'll now now that we, we have a decent lead right now, let's get Tony some more touches and things like that, as opposed to like, establishing him and continue to going through him uh you know throughout the game.
3: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Kent, what's uh what do you have any on your agenda you'd like to shoot off before I give my first one?
1: Uh sure. I, I was I guess I'll do this one now since uh we kind of talked about it off the top. It's actually uh, I think it's a positive that Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn did not get head coaching jobs, that they're going to be here next season, that there's going to be consistency uh, on that side of the ball, that there's not going to be some huge learning curve, bringing some new coordinator in here, trying to spice things up that they can just hit the ground running in the off season. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's good.
3: I think it's important. Like 12 and five is not a bad year. That's not <laughs> a sucky year. Um, it it's a sucky playoff situation and end of the year was not good, you know, but, uh, but as a whole, 12 five is not a bad year. You measure that up to what your expectations are and what things could have been. And that's where everything kind of changes. So the continuity, I don't have a problem with. I not one that who thought McCarthy should have been fired. Now I do think you always, much like you do with any free agent, you always look under a, uh, Oh, what's in this treasure chest and see, Oh, what's in there? Oh, no, nothing, not good stuff in there oh, wait, wait, there is a better head coaching option or, oh, there is a better uh, offensive lineman that maybe we could get or things like that. You you have to, like, as they like to say, look under those rocks or whatever. That being said, keeping it all together, running it back, is not a bad plan. You're trying to improve in some of these places that you ran it back, but that's what teams do. Guess what? When one team wins the Super Bowl every year, what about those other teams who make the playoffs every stinking year? What do they do? They run it back. They try to get better, but they run it back. The only difference here is you need to run it back and you need to make the playoffs again and have success in the playoffs and consistently make the playoffs. And you're set up to do that. Like, you're set up to easily win the division, although history would say it wouldn't, won't be easy. But there's there's things there about keeping it all together that are very very positive. I I, I totally agree, man.
2: It's just been very un Cowboys like to have back to back good seasons. I know.
3: But doesn't doesn't McCarthy like t- get the chance? Like I like he gets the chance to Here we go. Here's two. And your ones to write off, you know, like yeah. because of the Dak thing like here, let's go do That's it. That's what I'm hey. saying. Like, you and know, it's Green been May.
1: It's been so up and down for the last, I don't know, three, four years. It feels like in the off season, there's been either a new coordinator or a new head coach or something. So this will be like one of the first off seasons in a couple of years where they're going to have everybody kind of, they know who their guys are, you know, kind of going into it. So that's nice.
3: See, being positive is not so hard. Sure. Look at us.
2: Yeah. I'm biting my tongue here, but go on. Well, <laughs> check, check out. The my- roster is not going to be better. That's my whole thing. Like We go to yeah, training camp true. every year, and Jerry always says, the roster's better. Oh, is the roster better? Yeah, the roster's better. I can tell you right now, Clarence Hill will be the one that asks it. He does it at every one of these press conferences to start the kickoff training camp. Is the roster better? And Jerry's going to say it is, and it's not. The roster will not be better next year. Not only at the beginning the year, it will not be better than it was going to the playoffs this year. Sorry. Go John, back to
3: pour some gasoline on the positive episode. Sorry. Then he lights a match. <laughs> um, here's number one for me. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday, February 8th. Looking for optimism heading into 2022. Number one for me is you get a seven-month break from getting screwed by the refs. And I... What? Just, just go I'm, on. I'm right. You have to admit that I'm right. It's seven months that the refs can't dictate <laughs> what happens to you. I'll-
2: I'll say seven months of you not having to listen to you blame the refs.
3: Okay. I'll stop feeding the trolls. I'm like the old man at the park giving bread to the ducks. Hey. Um, no, For me, a uh, skill position depth. They, they do have flexibility. Now, what you said about having a worse roster is most likely right. I won't say it's 100%, but it's most likely right. I like 99% agree with you there um i do want to leave room for something crazy to happen right but skill position depth does give them some um uh, free agency flexibility while also you get a cap that goes up as well like you don't have a cap that like went down because of covid here or something like that so you get a cap that goes up and you can do something uh, whether you agree to deal with Gallup or cedric wilson that's nah, up to you you know you figure all that out flexibility with those guys amari cooper Whatever happens there at tight end, you got flexibility just because you know who Blake Jarwin is. You know who Sean McKeon is. Uh, McKeon? Uh, McKeon. McKeon. Always oh, a problem. Uh, and then, uh, you know, running back, you know, with Tony and all that. So, you know, flexibility offensively to do stuff. If you want to call Terrence still a depth piece, I think we can still do that. Um, if you're building a team, like you're trying to get better at that position. But that's one thing that I do think is like an optimistic thing. Like, hey, they've got – They've got a little room. There's been years where they haven't had any room to operate. Like, we have to go do something here now. Throw the money at it. And then it's not necessarily like that on the offensive side of the ball this year.
2: Uh, Next up for me would be Will McClay. I mean, they're going to be leaning on him a lot now. Yeah. uh, Particularly through the draft. And I think he's one of the best in the business. And combining also the way he has kind of worked with Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff it's led to two good draft classes and this is where this team is going to continue to be built through is the draft and they have allowed the draft to come to them particularly in the first round getting Micah Parsons getting CeeDee Lamb two 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 draft picks that have allowed you to even put cutting Amari Cooper and cutting DeMarcus Lawrence in the conversation because if you don't have either of those guys you can't even speak on the, on those being a possibility because they'd be just so thin uh, at getting pressure on defense or uh, making plays in the passing game. So that combination has worked out well, but Will has been putting together good drafts even before this. So uh, they have a solid nucleus that they've built this last two years off of young guys. They're going to need to continue to do that. So I think you're in pretty good hands there. So Will, not only being back this year, but getting that contract extension, uh, that's obviously a positive.
3: You know, uh, real quick on that front. Another good draft. and if you look at next year, next year is most likely you know contracts will dictate this. Next year is most likely your final year of Zeke. Now who knows they may they may work something out and have him back. you know it would require a pay cut on Zeke's end. but most likely you're a last year of Demarcus Lawrence. Again, if guys want to stay and be a cowboy and we're the star, we can talk pay cuts and do the Doug free thing that we did for years. But another good draft, you you can put yourself in a situation where that roster in 2023 is better than what you just put out there. Now you need things to swing your way, and you need guys to continue to get better and all that stuff. But it's not out of this world that your roster in 2023 is better than 2021. Very difficult for the 22 roster to be better than 2021. And it's kind of just the state of... The NFL and contracts and, and draft classes and things like that. It is hard to go. Oh, we just keep getting better year after year after year. I mean, look at some of these Rams teams the last few years. I mean, the difference here, is Stafford, of course, but you know, there's times these. If you take the quarterback out of it, you go. Well, a, they might have had a better roster last year. Now, yeah, Odell Beckham, it changes things, but they've got potential with a solid draft or two to hit twenty twenty three, hit the ground running, and you know, that's what we wanted, right? We've wanted long term. Success, consistent success, playoff runs, and things like that. That's that's kind of how you do that. So, yeah, that's all. That's all I wanted to say there. Nothing groundbreaking, you know. Nothing crazy. Your, your head coach in twenty twenty three could be a different guy, and that could be positive, maybe depending where you stand. See, I'm kind of close, like I'm on the line of going negative. <laughs> Sean Payton's like, like the 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 whack a mole. pops up, and you're like, ah. There he is. Don't hit him. Pull him out of the hole the mole and make him the head coach. Sod, what's your next one? You got another one?
4: Yeah, so my next one, I think, is you, you might laugh at it, but I think this is this is actually a real thing. Like you you look back, one of the bright spots of last season and going into this season for me is Cooper Rush. Because when you look at the game that he had in Minnesota and the fact that you have a backup quarterback for a million bucks um next year that you're not Particularly, it's not a huge looming storyline throughout the offseason. When's the last time the Cowboys had a, a backup quarterback that they were okay with that wasn't $7 million on the cap uh, like Andy Dalton was a couple years ago? So I think the fact that you have a cheap backup quarterback who's shown you that he can do, that, that he can be good in spot duty, I think is just an underrated good storyline that you don't have to even worry about that.
2: But let's be honest, Saad, you don't care about Cooper Rush. If that goes down for a long period of time, we all, we all know who <laughs> no, you but, want to no. be in at quarterback.
3: TB12. Hey. I have on hey. my
1: list, Tom Brady is out there. Hey, now. On my list.
4: <laughs> Tom Brady. That's reason Tom, Brady to be Brady optimistic. Said today. Tom Brady's out
1: there. Worst comes to worst. You know, the angel <laughs> flies down. It's fine.
3: You make him sound like he's just some Tom wild Brady. animal. He's uh, he's out there in the forest. Go get him. He's <laughs> out there. I t- yeah.
2: I just hey. said because I know Sid would lose his mind if if that if that ever happened. If
4: Tom Brady if Tom Brady comes to Dallas, I will pay the athletic to become the beat writer. Oh, with John okay, we got, got that on audio.
1: We got that. <laughs>
4: yes, come on, Sid. There goes Sod's leverage. But no, but 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 no. But in seriousness, to to my point, like no, actually, to that point. I think if, if Dak goes down for any extended period of time with Brady saying what he said, I think you kind of have to explore that and give him a call. But if it is just one game like it was last season, you don't have to worry about that, and you don't have to spend money on it both at the same time. Honestly, I don't know the last time that was the case. Like,
2: probably, it's got to be a decade. like you, no, you it was the year before. You
4: weren't confident. No, I was a year,
2: it was the year before. You you're only paying Andy, Andy Dalton don't. like a million dollars.
1: Yeah, but you didn't know you had Andy Wait, at how this much point. Were you
2: paying? Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like, you had to you go had to sign go Andy. Andy yeah. You had to go sign Andy Dalton. He fell in their lap completely wow. for the price and everything. The fact that the fact that Cincinnati knew the entire time that they was were true. taking the quarterback cheap. and then didn't get rid of Dalton until after they drafted Joe Burrow. Like, that's so bizarre that that even went down. Everyone knew you were taking Joe Burrow. You could have released him. You could have released Andy Dalton in March. Andy Dalton could have signed a decent deal with somebody, but you don't release him until after the draft, which made it perfect with the pandemic and everything for him to land in the Cowboys' lap. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very rare situation. Most times, it I would say, I agree with you. It, it, you're not going to even, yeah, you're, you're better off with Cooper Rush and what, what he's getting paid right now than, than most situations because to get a Kyle Orton or somebody like that, you're going to have to pay more money.
3: Uh, right, exactly. Kent, you got a ne- your next positive, positive?
1: I can't believe this wasn't higher... On one of your guys' list, uh Greg the leg Zerline. No. Um, Come on. It's um Rice Rain Dakota Prescott. <laughs> I I have on my list. That you've I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I think you're closer to having a guy than you are not having a guy at the quarterback position. And I think he can still develop his game. I think he's so committed. I think he works. A lot harder on uh, you know the nuance of his game and still developing some of the footwork types of things and that he's developed later in his career so I think he's going to work his ass off this offseason with the fire and uh, you know he's fully healthy hopefully and you know you don't have to worry about who the hell our quarterback's going to be next year and that's great and and a lot of NFL teams can't say that going into every offseason and the Cowboys can so that feels nice.
2: So we got a Q and a that Bob and I have been doing once a week. We're going to continue to do it in this off season. And for the one that's going to be posted uh, Wednesday morning, we talk all about Dak and he brings up a good point at Dak about to be 29. Generally at 29, you know what you have in your quarterback. And so uh, this, this is a, this is a big moment now for him going into this upcoming season. Uh, And it doesn't make, I mean, it makes sense to me why he wouldn't even waste his time with doing anything with the pro bowl. Like, Get right, get 100%, you know, go into this season fully healthy uh, because there's going to be more on his shoulders than there ever has before as as the Cowboys quarterback.
3: It's go time. And and the weaknesses should be identified by now, too, also. You know, that's a thing where you can look at you know, what you're good at. What are the things that made us, you know, not be good in the back half of the season? Go find. Go and that goes, a, K-
2: KT, That goes, that goes to the draft, too, like, you should, I mean, you know, this guy's going to be here. He should be involved. If if you want a pass catcher or something like this, what do we need? You know, Kellen yeah. Moore has been around him now. They know what is his strengths, what his weaknesses are. You That should help you. You should have an advantage over other teams that have a young quarterback. Sure. Or, like Kent said, you're, you have a revolving door at quarterback. Like that should be a factor in like, hey, let's go get this guy. This is, this guy fits perfectly with, this is what we need. Whether it be, let's say like a, you know, a slot guy, like a Cole Beasley type or something like that, you know, that, they should have that advantage. He should be involved in these situations.
4: Uh, I'll play. I'll play the. I'll play the role of both sides real quick on this. One, I, I know we're all saying it's go time for Dak, but you look at coming into last season. You you had continuity with your offensive coordinator. You had three stud receivers. You had two good tight ends. You had two good running backs. It was kind of go time last year too, and like now. The other side of that is I remember watching Tony Romo's Football Life and him saying things didn't really click completely for him until like 2013-14. So there is still room for growth. I'm not saying he's not going to grow. Tony didn't didn't get it all until 2013-14. Um but I'm just saying like the the pressure, you had the contract, you had the coaching staff, you had the talent. You had everything going for you last year and up until overtime in New England, everything was clicking. So It's a big inflection point, but at the same time, last year was the same thing as well.
2: Hey, you lay an egg, first half of of your playoff game at home, and you got three minutes to go with three timeouts. And I'm going to take Nick Bosa and Fred Warner off the field too. So, I mean, it was still all there for you in the final minutes. So, believe me, you're you're preaching to the choir.
3: Uh, I'm going to go here. I'll make this my last one just for the sake of time and and those types of things. Uh, Guys, let's play a quick game. How many games are in the regular season?
2: Now, as of right now, 17.
3: 17. All right. How many games will the Cowboys play as of right now? How many games will they play where uh, they have the better quarterback? Of the 17 games, how many? And this, I'm going with this opinion thing. This is all subjective here. How many of the 17 games will they have the better quarterback in?
1: Is this a hypothetical or do I have to know the schedule for next season? Because I don't know. <laughs> you have to know the schedule. Uh, it's hypothetical.
3: I'll, i I know the schedule, so I'll you know, that's where the yeah. the payoff is. I would
1: say you know, uh, I mean they're playing the NFC East. I mean, so that's easy. There. There's six, the, right? Deshaun Watson goes to the NFC East or something like that, and then that'd be
3: tough. I'm not comfortable uh, with know. a year off. I wouldn't even put Deshaun in front of Dak coming off a year off.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um
3: Plus the allegations. Oh, by the way, did you see
1: Kyler? It. Uh Kyler unfollowed the uh
2: Cardinals on Twitter.
3: Yeah, I don't know if there's anything going on there. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but
2: oh, that seems like some like I mean, and this is I
1: don't
3: it's know not if like highlight
2: leave a to leave a situation or anything, and just
1: will his way somewhere else or anything. He's, well,
2: I'm also saying like I don't know yet. I haven't seen the schedule, but if he's all if he's all a part of all the Super Bowl interviews, then this was all done on purpose to just drum up interest. If well, yeah, he's well, out there he's, on Radio Row talking was, to a bunch of no, people. He was, he I mean, remember the he's the one role that role went so, on that yeah. Dan Patrick show. Remember he yeah. went on the Dan Patrick show, and uh, I think it was right before the draft, and he didn't want to like, answer any questions. But it's like he's also the one that likes to stir the stuff up. So. If he's doing a bunch that of was interviews. That the worst
4: interview of all time. Right.
2: So he could be just doing this just because, you know, he's promoting Gatorade or something like that, and so it'll give, like, somebody interesting things to ask him about this week at, at, out at the Super that's Bowl. True. It's It's very possible. I mean, that's the way this game works. Now.
3: Well, I will say this. Technically, he is eligible for a contract extension. Now the Cardinals still have his I'm not rights. saying he's
2: not I'm not saying he's not unhappy. I'm saying that the actual yeah, I know. you know doing the stuff, knowing that hey, there's some nerd out there that'll notice that you unfollow the Cardinals on Instagram, do that. It'll be funny. Take them out of like your bio. Like, well, it could be
3: the agent going, it's hey, not look, an man. accident. Hey, look, man, let's just go ahead and just get that extension done now. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. And knowing I'm sure that he is. he's a running quarterback and one hit, you know, could you know, so it, it might be Burkhart, uh, his agent doing pulling something there. Uh, yeah. So, back to my original question, but, though, of the 17... 17- oh, go ahead, son. Yeah.
4: Yeah, to answer your question, KT, and, and I'll... Uh, just a disclaimer, I cheated, and I'm looking at the schedule. Um, hey, man. Don't cheat. Uh, I would... <laughs> I would say... I would... I'm going to say two.
3: Two games there's two where games there's that
4: a I see quarterback better than them? There's a better... Yeah, where there's a quarterback better than Dak, and that's assuming Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, Um if if I'm if I'm operating under that assumption, then I'll take Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. Um, but other than that, I, I think Dak has the plus. If Green
3: Bay, if Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay. Aaron sod ruining the game. Um, no, you're good. Oh, no,
2: I'm about to I'm about to take a blowtorch to the game. So finish your point. Because <laughs> I like I like the quarterback that the Cowboys had a lot more than the guy that the 49ers had. I like the Cowboys' quarterback a lot more than the guy that Denver had. I like the Cowboys' quarterback more than the one that the Raiders had.
3: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. Here's what Ooh. the schedule says. Ooh. So the reason it's a reason for optimism is to me, and I'm going to assume they're stays because I think that's what happens. Uh, I'm going to say that it is 14 of the 17 games. They'll go into with a better quarterback. The games that you wouldn't have a better quarterback would be Packers hypothetically Rams hypothetically. And by the way, I'm not sure that that's clear. I'm not I'm sure, not sure that that's clear. I'm not sure Stafford's better quarterback than Dak. And then Joe Burrow, I'm going to give Joe Burrow the edge because look at him; he's in the Super Bowl. The
2: stage of the careers they're at right now. Yeah,
3: yeah, history. oh yeah. Well, Stafford, you know, I don't know if I would have said that no, going Stafford's, into the year. Man, I'd take Stafford. Going into the year, I would not have done that.
2: I don't think you would have said that going into the playoffs. Most people wouldn't.
3: Oh, I, after what we saw in the back half of the season. Well, both of them, I guess there was a little bit of struggles. It's amazing how much it a there's out a, that There's an
2: important piece here, everybody, and I don't understand why everybody doesn't get this. I think a lot of people get this, but you, I, it's just showing you how bad the Lions are. Matthew Stafford didn't huh. do what he was doing with the Denver Broncos or the Packers or a good organization. So now that you're seeing what he's doing right now, it makes you second-guess everything that ever happened before this. It'd be one thing if you were just like, if this is a Jimmy Garoppolo thing and he goes somewhere else and has success, you'd be like, damn, man, it just didn't work out with the 49ers. But we all know the 49ers are a very good organization. Like, all this is, this isn't an indictment on Stafford. This is an indictment on the Lions right now. This isn't even his second year in the Rams. This is his first season yeah. away from Detroit. It's ridiculous.
4: And by the way, I'm like. i I'm just going to say, like, with Stafford, the one thing that, that I hate when people don't give him credit for... When people want to say he had Calvin for all those years, whatever. The top two receiving, the top two receiving single seasons in NFL history are Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. And so, you know sad. what? For, Cooper as, Cup my, is a
2: rookie this year. Oh no, he's in his fifth year. <laughs>
4: <Cooper> <laughs> right, Cup's and, and, and best what I'm season, saying though
2: is, yeah, yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, like Cooper Cup's best yeah. season with him. Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, um, Kenny Galladay, who got all that money. Like, what's yep. he doing? Yeah. yeah, that's some Laurent Robinson-type stuff. With When La-
4: Laurent Robinson did what Tony Romo and then went to Jacksonville and got money, that's what Kenny Galladay did. But to your point, John, like I, I just think that Stafford, Dak had all the toys this last season. He had all the toys, and he couldn't do what Stafford does when Stafford has the toys. And so I'd take Stafford.
3: What happens to Stafford without Beckham? That I mean, that offense, without Odell Beckham being a major contributor, they looked lost. And that's why I do think like the the Cowboys don't need to get cute at wide receiver like they did in twenty seventeen. That's why they, they got they needed, Odell though. They, they need they to pay them. one of these guys. You know, yeah, hold up, hold up, hold, up, hold up, Let goes. me use that
2: one against you real quick. I, I missed Odell just shredding it before he got with Stafford. What was he doing before None that? Wrong. Robert Woods got hurt and then Odell kinda yeah. know, got it. That's in my there. point. I don't though. remember I just I missed I missed the part where Odell was just killing it. And they got, they're just so fortunate he came there. If anything, it's stunning that on, they got on the same page as quickly as they did. I think there's only maybe a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL that would even have done that with, with Odell Beckham. Are you 100% confident if Odell Beckham gets traded to the Cowboys midseason that he would just seamlessly fit into the Cowboys' oh, offense?
1: No no, way. Okay, no, 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 not just, at all. Just,
2: no just checking.
3: No, no, I'm just saying the Rams were garbage when Woods got hurt, and they were kind of farting around for a couple weeks, and then sure. they got Odell Beckham, and it changed their offense. Uh,
1: Von Miller, they got a little juice. That's, man. Yeah. that's
3: credit to the quarterback. That's I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying going, going into this year, I would have argued Dak was a better player. Because here's the
2: craziest part about the, the Rams thing: I missed the game where just Von and Floyd and. Donald and Jalen Ramsey have just taken over, and they're just winning because of this great deal. Where is it, where is that game? I'm thinking it's, it's going to be it's this Sunday. Called Sunday, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be this Sunday, but they got there, and I'm I'm missing that game.
3: Go Bengals! Uh, by my, the way, my guy
2: Jalen Ramsey is dropping balls that are hitting him <laughs> right in the face. Like where who's making these big? Aaron Donald's made that play at the end of the 49ers game. Yeah. Was but other than that, like you look at the talent nice. that they have on that defense, you would think that they would just be winning these games with other teams scoring like 10 to 15 points. And that game hasn't even happened yet. And they're in the Super Bowl. All
3: right. Last positivity. Anyone get anything else? Otherwise, we need to do Super Bowl picks and MVP um, picks.
1: Last on my list was uh, Sean Payton is out there. He is a...
3: maybe He's on like a yacht Tom probably Brady a yacht just somewhere. in the
1: wild brought <laughs> according to our friends at <laughs> Vessel, <out> there. <laughs> vesselfinder.com bravo eugenia is in the bahamas somewhere so maybe is
2: in new orleans
1: Sean just hanging out Althing. you know in the virgin islands with jerry you know trying to work this work this bad boy out so that's a that's a reason to be optimistic you know they start 0 4 you know pick up the red phone we'll, we'll figure out what's going on and also hey oh, better
4: hey <laughs> Better yet for you, Kent, in your scenario, they start 0-4, Dak is hurt, and Sean Payton and Tom Brady coming together, boom. (laughs)
1: Boom. Oh, my God. The world would explode if if Tom Brady and Sean Payton were leading the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think the sports world would let that happen. I don't think.
2: Hey, the Cowboys would never do that. But you know who would? The Rams, (laughs) and that's why they're in the Super Bowl.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. Let's Um, do – oh, go. go ahead. Go ahead, Kent. That's that's it. All right, let's do our Super Bowl picks right here. Uh, Saad, we'll start with you. What is your game prediction? Give me the score.
4: <sighs> okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, it's it's so hard to root against Joe Burrow. He he is he is that he is that uh, he is that kind of guy that I think has the perfect balance of cocky and he, he's confident enough to where he's not cocky or doesn't come across cocky at least, um, and. You know what? I'm I'm going with him. I'm going with the Bengals to beat the Rams 27-24 on a last-second field goal. I think the year Tom Brady walks away, Tom Brady's career started as a second-year quarterback beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow coming in second year, beat the Rams in the Super Bowl by a field goal.
3: Woo! Woo! All right, let's go to Kent. <laughs> I felt That's really good there. about. I didn't think he was going to do that. I felt
1: really good about the Rams all year. Uh, they were my Super Bowl pick in the in the NFC. But I got to go with S- Sod on this one. My gut says that that it's Joe Burrow's time. It's his moment right now. Um, I watched. I don't know if did you guys watch that Tuck Rule thirty for thirty? Uh, I'd had time, yeah, of course. Yes. man. That <laughs> when they were talking pregame and and Tom was standing on the field in the snow. And he was and they were asking him, like, were you nervous? He was like, No. He was like, a lot of feelings, nervous. but I wasn't nervous. Like that reminds me of Burrow. You know, he would be out there yeah. in the cold with, with the shirt on, and he'd be like, Oh, I wasn't nervous at all. You know, it's like, yeah, it was, it's just another moment for, for him. And I mean, he's been in huge he's moments chilling. before. He's just chilling, having a great time. He's gonna be in LA. He's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, Bingles Nation's gonna show up, I think, big at LA. So that'll be that'll jazz him up, I'm sure. So yeah, I think it's it's Burrow's moment. I'm going Bingles. 24 Rams 20.
3: John, <laughs> I'm
2: also going Bengals. Uh, are you kidding I, me? Yeah, sports don't make any sense. Uh, yep. the Titans the sack Matthew Staff, I mean, the, for the Titans to sack Joe Burrow nine times makes me think that Aaron Donald and the rest of that crew should sack him 15. But I, the Bengals just seem like they're on this like lucky streak right now where. If you're the Rams, if you could just pick anybody that was in the playoffs, I would feel like you would pick the Bengals. If you were going into the playoffs, not now, but going in, like it would be between the Bengals and Raiders for the teams you'd want to play. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, But because of that, I just think Joe Burrow is going to end up being Super Bowl MVP, and they're going to win 28-27.
1: I don't understand. The last
4: time that happened? The last time this kind of thing happened was also with the Joe at quarterback, if you recall, in Baltimore, um, where – where you're just like, what Ugh. the hell happened? And then they, they go on this weird postseason streak, and uh, that Joe did it too. So
2: I will. I will say this though: I'm picking 28, 27. I'm sticking with this because they asked us earlier in the week to make predictions for um, the Athletic uh, on the site, and so we had to pick like Super Bowl MVP, final score, and things like that. So I'm sticking with this. But with that being said, if you tell me the game's a blowout, I'm g- it's Rams all day. Yeah. The Rams have a chance of blowing them out. But if for it's sure. close, I think it's in Very good wins. point, yep.
3: I've been doubting the Rams all year. From the beginning, I told everyone that they were overrated, that they didn't have the depth to make it all year long, and I didn't believe in Matthew Stafford. I thought the injuries would hit them, and they wouldn't be able to overcome those injuries, and then they'd be the team that went for it all and had to pay for it later. And I have decided on this day to turn that cheek <laughs> to that bad opinion. Rams... 33 27, and the offseason discussion is do we need to change these overtime rules? Because Matt Stafford called heads going into <laughs> overtime. The Rams score and they win 33 27. Wow.
1: That would be
4: wild. Wow. A Super Bowl ring comes to Dallas finally. I was
3: talking with somebody
1: uh, <laughs> here at the Super Bowl about this and, you know, talking about the Super Bowl predictions. Like, some guys are just built for it, and I feel like Burrow's built for it. I don't know if Stafford's built for it, and this could be his moment to prove it. You know, I guess he's never really gotten that chance, but he's got a couple playoff chances uh, in his past. But like, beat Romo. this would be the moment, you know, this would be this could be his moment to prove all the doubters wrong.
3: OK, MVP, guys, uh, uh, you guys all going to say Burrow, I'm guessing.
1: I'll say I'll say Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, Joe Burrow. I mean. uh, but like. Yeah, it's 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 the quarterback the the quarterback aura, but like you if know, like Rams John win, said if I'll the Rams do blow out.
2: Rams win I'll say Aaron Donald.
3: Okay, but you get one pick just for our Okay, pick. Burrow. Okay, Joe Burrow.
2: Oh man, this is tough. I really want to go with Cheeto. Uh yeah, Joe Burrow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah,
1: little Larry Brown
2: situation. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say he just he gets two balls. from right to, him to by win the game. Cheetos MVP of the Super Bowl. By
3: the way, I hope y'all are right. I'm pulling for the Bengals so hard. Like I just, no,
2: I'm the complete opposite. I can't
3: handle Sean McVay. Um, Aaron Donald is my <laughs> MVP pick. I think he's gonna rack up one of those games. Where it's like two sacks, fumble forced, fumble recovered. You know that type of stuff. Three passes awesome. knocked down, just crazy. And the tiebreaker, right. what color will the ga- uh, Gatorade be of the winning team?
1: Let's go blue.
3: Blue, Okay. okay. I'm gonna go orange. Sounds orange. I'm going red. Classic red. Fruit wow. Yeah, I think be, they like. I be, think. Mean. I I think those teams like that fruit punch flavor. <laughs> I,
1: I think they like the they like the the blue. It's the you know, it's, it's not too harsh. Maybe lemon lime, but I'll go blue. You never
3: know. John. Okay. John. Orange. Oh, so two oranges in there. No, no grape. Yep. Getting the getting
1: Here's the halftime one. show? Uh, it's uh, Dr. Dre, right? Dr. Dre, Kendrick Eminem. Lamar. That could be good.
3: Kendrick District Lamar, M- Mary J. Blige. Maybe a little,
1: little, little throwback vibes. Maybe some new, new Kendrick Lamar in there. That'd be it's gonna be fun. I don't the know.
3: best moment of television of this NFL season is when uh, Snoop Dogg said, "This halftime performance is gonna be the greatest hip hop performance in the history of hip hop." And and Eli Manning went. Ah, oh, yeah, that's good. And then there was dead <laughs> air. Also, I'd I, like to say,
1: I, I, oh, Eli go ahead. Rocking the Rough Riders necklace has been the best thing ever. Eli's a treasure.
3: Also, does anyone think Kent looks a little bit like New Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel? Anyone seeing that here, or is that just me?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, a little bit. I can see it. He's doing yeah, that on purpose for the for media radio. Be, be, that that
1: felt like me getting a job. You know, just like some dude out there that kind of said the right things at the right time, you know, has no, kind of no reason to be there, but I guess has some interesting ideas. I guess, doesn't he, isn't he like a, I don't know, into like some pretty crazy ideas, like outside of football, like oh pretty, yeah, like a lifestyle kind of stuff. I
3: yeah. Know. I think he does need vegetables.
1: Yeah. There you go. Well, I, I don't need many either. French fries. We'll go there right <laughs> is that a
3: vegetable? how does
4: like how many people how many people knew who he was? like' cause, like cause when you talk about the offense with the forty ers you always talk about Kyle Shanahan. and I feel like before his little Mike who moment, like a, a couple weeks ago, I think that kind of got him going on Twitter a little bit and then and then all of a sudden, he was the head coach in Miami. I feel like the the rise in the in the public opinion. Came really fast. Yeah.
2: So the, the start was uh, probably a couple of weeks before they played the Cowboys. Uh, he gave a really detailed answer in a press conference about uh, some of the pitches they do in the run game and them being like straight back and why do they do that. And he gave like a really detailed answer. And so that led to other people like going on YouTube. And he's one of these coaches that he do, he goes to, like a lot of clinics. Uh, he and he and he hosts a lot of like high school type clinics out in California and he's just very, very detailed oriented on a lot of stuff. And it it blows you away to to the point where like you can, you could easily see how he would win you over in a meeting uh, when, when he's coming up with this plan of what uh, you know, you're going to, he's going to do and how he's going to, what he's going to do with the organization. And for, even though he has the Mike Jones moment he's got more of a sense of humor that he shows than Kellen Moore does, it's not lost on me that Kellen Moore got a second interview with that same organization because you just hear too many things of Kellen behind the scenes that he's blowing away all these people that matter in the NFL. So for anybody that wants to sit on their couch and like be real critical of him, like there's a reason he's in this position. You might not be happy with the way the Cowboys season ended and you can point the finger at a lot of different people, um, Kellen included. um, But to just sit there and dismiss him, like you don't think he belongs in this league. uh, You're a fool.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and by the way, to that point, the same thing happened with Kyle Shanahan as well. Remember, everyone was like critical about him and the way that he was in the Super Bowl, and it's all fair. You might not like like John said, you might not like how the season ended and the way that like you know his offense and Matt Ryan, all them were late in the Super Bowl. But you know, there's a reason he got that San Francisco job, and there's a reason why San Francisco is as good as they are.
1: You stoked for Eminem, Uh, John, (laughs) your your hometown hero. Oh, uh, who would be your dream, uh, halftime show, John, if you are
2: like, man, I'd be, yeah, 15, in- 20 years ago, I, Eminem would have been in the conversation. Yeah. I've kind of grown out of that phase. Um, who would get you really jazzed now? Right now. Yeah. Ooh, Next week. Uh, if they play, if they do all like older yeah. stuff, I'm this, if they do all older stuff, uh, which I would think they would, but if you get some real good throwback, Dre and Snoop, like I'll be pretty happy with this halftime show. Yes. You know, um, yeah. I think you'll get that. Yeah, I'm hoping. Gin I'm hoping. And
1: juice and so yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and nothing against Kendrick Lamar. I mean, he has a lot of great stuff too. It just, um, my favorite the, the best concert I've ever been to was when Eminem was like first starting to play like bigger shows, and he did this Up and Smoke tour with, uh, oh yeah. Dre and Snoop, and. I remember just being, I mean, we're in Detroit. Well, it's in the oh, Palace, man. Auburn Hills. You're outside of Detroit. But everybody knows who Eminem is, and you had known for about four or five years. But the best part of that show was just hearing like, you know, gin and juice and, and like all these songs like off of like doggy style and stuff that you're just like, man, like, I, I don't know. Like, these are just like the classics, you know, these are the these are like all like the hip hop songs that I fell in love with, like when I was in middle school. So those actually stole the show. So I'm hoping it'll be like that. But here's the thing. It's just like, it's such a corporate crowd that yeah. I just feel like we're going to kind of see a cheesy version. I hope we don't, but I can just tell you right now, like nothing is compared to up in smoke since, well, since that, but
3: the effects of the stadium matter in these types True. of things, because you, what you're getting is what it looks like on, you know, TV and things like that, since we won't be there. So um, I could but, be
2: cool.
1: The way they use so, the, the yeah, stadium. They,
3: they can do something neat there. And one thing about Dre, Dre will always have it like sounding really good, but the hardest part about those big shows sometimes can be vocals. And that's where I worry about rap a little bit. Um, how quick, you know, when you're just going that fast, like how much is that going to come through on TV? But sonically, it's going to sound great because Dr. Dre's in charge. I mean, that's, it's always going to sound good if Dre's involved.
1: Forgot about Dre with Eminem and Dre is going to happen. That's going to be Eminem's probably come out on stage. You know, or it's going to yeah. be guess who's back. Guess oh, who's man, back.
3: That'd be pretty wild. Yeah. And I love the medley. Back. The medley's uh, you, fun.
1: John, you had yeah. to have had bleached hair when you were at that up in smoke. Yeah, I've tour, told you guys right? before. Just totally. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Uh, maybe not lawns. at that tour yet, but yeah, there was White definitely t-shirt. a
2: point in my Yeah, I didn't do that. I've, I, I, <laughs> I, I saw Eminem in concert four or five times. Yeah, man, I was I'm jealous.
1: I have never seen Eminem in concert. But yeah, you, you got to see him in the prime in, in Detroit. That's great. Including
2: listening. probably the best seats I ever had at concert. It was at Comerica where the Tigers play and knew somebody to get like, you know, the front row type stuff. But the problem was, is it's the way everybody describes. I've always wanted to go just once to New Year's Eve down in Times Square. But everybody that I know that that's done it just talks about how like, yeah, it sucks because you just have to stand there and you can't like leave. And so for like being at a concert like that, like you're obviously drinking and you're just in a in a spot where you're just like, man, if I want to go use the restroom, I'm going to lose all of this, you know, being right in front of the stage. So it was fun. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it when I was younger. I don't think I would do it now. I'd be like, yeah. no, nah, I'm not I'm not I'd rather I'd rather have a few beverages and not have to worry about losing my spot up in front. So well,
1: this has well, been uh, your halftime update of the week here on the about them cowboys podcast
3: <laughs> absolutely i like that type of stuff we'll be back next week we uh, got to talk about a little bit of free agency and things like that and i don't know if there's any more cowboys news we will get to it but a bit of a free agency primer next week on uh the next edition of about them Cowboys. Yeah. yeah speak kevin about them cowboys <laughs> what's going on man um, so again, don't worry about editing that out. That that would be inauthentic. You
2: know? Definitely for, don't edit that out. Yeah, leave so that leave it in, on please. There, see what happens. Yeah, and I, make that the intro to every show from here on out.
3: If you listen all the time, then you're used to the the fumble farts that I do. Um, for Assad Yusuf covering those Dallas Stars, make sure you follow his work over on the Athletic as well. John Machado always got stuff going on. He's got that new conversation with Bob. Uh, their new series has been really good. Uh, and, uh, Kent Garrison, our producer just out there goofing in LA. He's out there with the city of angels. He was trying out trying to today. hold it down, trying to so, hold it down. You Look riding for scooters? me on the,
1: in the background of your ESPN, uh, updates. I'll have be you been chilling. riding the scooters around? No, I have seen them. I have been tempted. I need to do yeah, that. Get on one of those. Yeah. I woke do up this tr- morning. And, tricks.
3: I woke up this morning yeah. and Kent was reading out the Oscar nominees. I was like, man, he's got a lot going on this week. He was like, I was.
1: I, I did. I Rota. had to be in L.A. downtown super early to read him out. It was uh, nice of them to ask me to do that. No, I did up. see Jackass last night, uh, very late, uh, right here next to the hotel. Went to the late night, little 10 p.m. Jackass. And
2: Thoughts? Highly recommended. Highly recommended. That's another That's another big part of my 20 years ago. Yes. That's a
1: conversation. Maybe. maybe when KZ sees it, we'll, we'll get his review. I know he hasn't big seen Big Johnny it.
2: Knoxville <laughs> fan over here.
3: Woo, oh, yeah. Me Treasure. too.
2: There you go. (laughs) All
3: All right. right. Let's see you next week on the Bethlehem Cowboys. Bye.